It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible, or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. Thank you for joining us tonight. This is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, October 25th, and we're glad that you're a part of it tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. I'm joined by my father, Greg Gwynn. Hello, Dad. Welcome to the program. Jacob, good to be with you. Welcome back to, to the studio. Good to be back tonight. And we have an important subject planned. We're looking forward to your participation at 877-381-4567. That is toll-free. We're paying the bill tonight, 877-381-4567. Send your emails to questions at collegeview.com. We want to talk about really uh, a sad subject tonight. We want to talk about abortion on the virtual Bible study. Jacob, you know, I was, uh, I was uh, looking through our archives, and, and the reason that we decided to do this program tonight is because, actually, surprisingly, we had not covered that subject. In over two years, we hadn't talked anything about abortion, and it is a very important subject, and it's actually one that, that I think we need to be fully up to speed on what the Bible teaches about it. We need to be taking a stand for what's right uh, in, in our world, in our society, and you know, uh, some you may have pulled up some statistics there, Jacob, about how many abortions there are, but the numbers are staggering. Since 1973, there have been almost 49 million abortions, close to a million a year. Over a million a year has been the yeah, average. Yeah, I think it's, it's I think it's like 1.3 or something a That's year. That's right. Uh, the average is going down, uh, thankfully, uh, slightly going down, but uh, the cumulative number of abortions since 1973, when it became illegal. In America, almost 49 million. Isn't that amazing? I saw someone just did a very simple analysis in an article just recently I read. You combine all the war dead in all the wars that have ever been fought by Americans going all the way back to the Revolutionary War, and it doesn't even come close. The number of those killed in war, all wars, doesn't even come close to the number uh, that uh, have been killed by abortion. Certainly is a, an astonishing fact and really is a blight on our society. Uh, Dad, if there are going to be a lot of people who are held accountable for for that number, 49 million. Yeah, that's just that's that's 49 million murders. I guess I guess we're pretty well exposing our view on this, Jacob. We're uh, we haven't really got to the to our questions or or uh, what what we believe the Bible teaches on it. But I think it's pretty obvious that we're going to take the position that abortion is wrong. And you know, we're coming up on the 30. Fifth anniversary of the Roe versus Wade decision. It was made in uh, January of 1973. So, coming January, we'll be 35 years into legalized abortion in America. And I actually have a have a, a quote from the Roe versus Wade decision back in 1973 that legalized abortion in America. Uh, and it it summarized as follows. For the stage prior to approximately the end of the first trimester, the abortion decision and its effectuation must be left to the medical judgment of the pregnant woman's physician. For the stage subsequent to approximately the end of the first trimester, the state, in promoting its interest in the health of the mother, may, if it chooses, regulate the abortion procedure in ways that are reasonably related to material health. For the stage subsequent to viability, the state in promoting its interest in the potentiality of human life may, if it chooses, regulate and even prescribe abortion except where it is necessary in appropriate medical judgment for the preservation of the life of the health of the mother. Well, that sounds like legalese, and typically when lawyers speak, it's hard to understand them. But uh, when the Supreme Court made that decision, there were two justices who dissented. That is, they did not agree. One was... Uh, Rehnquist, the other was White, and Justice White wrote the dissenting opinion. That is, they did the two did not that did not agree said this about it, and it's pretty. And this is fairly understandable. Quote: The common claim before us is that for any one of such reasons—convenience, family planning, economics, dislike of children, the embarrassment of illegitimacy, and others—or for no reason at all. 
and without asserting or claiming any threat to life or health, any woman is entitled to abortion at her request if she is able to find a medical doctor willing to undertake the procedure. The court, for the most part, sustains this position. During the period prior to the time the fetus becomes viable, the Constitution of the United States values the convenience, whim, or caprice of the of the of the mother more than the life of the potential the life of the potential life of the fetus. And so, uh, uh, Justice White, in dissenting, said, "You can take all that legal talk you want, but basically, what it means is a woman can get an abortion when she wants to, any time she wants to, and all she got to do is find a doctor who's willing to do it." Here's an interesting quote by someone who is in favor of abortion. Harrison Hickman, a pollster for the National Abortion and Reproductive Rights Action League, said this, Probably nothing has been as damaging to our cause as the advances in technology which have allowed pictures of the developing fetus, because people now talk about the fetus in much different terms than they did 15 years ago. They talk about it as a human being, which is not something that I have an easy answer on how to cure. He says now that people can see inside the womb and see the developing fetus and realize what that looks like, it changes their thoughts. And he understands. And he thinks that's a bad thing. He thinks it's a bad thing because he's in favor of abortion and so certainly is interesting. Yeah. Jacob, as we've been doing uh, recently for the virtual Bible study, I sent out some poll questions earlier today to get feedback from those who might be willing to do so. And here are the questions I sent out. We'd still be looking for feedback from you. If you've not sent us a message, uh, get on get on email right now and send us a message to questions at collegeview.com, or you can call us, 877-381-4567. But here are the questions that we asked. One, what do you think is the strongest scriptural argument against abortion? Two, how would you answer those who generally oppose abortion but would say it's okay in cases of rape, incest, etc.? Three, what is your view of a situation where the mother's health is at risk? Would an abortion be right or wrong in such cases? So those are the questions that we ask, and we've got some feedback already. We'd be glad to have more. If you uh, uh, would like to get in on this, uh, send us an email or give us a phone call. The number to call, 877-381-4567. That's toll-free for you tonight, 877-381-4567. Send us your emails to questions at collegeview.com. Dad, as we talk about this subject, it's important to get a little scientific background into the development of a, of a baby. A lot of people will say that uh, an unborn baby is not human life. Uh, we look at the development of the baby inside the mother's womb. We understand at the first day of the embryo's life that all human chromosomes are present and that would therefore constitute a unique human life. Um, by day 22, some women may not even know that they're pregnant yet. By day 22, the heart begins to beat with the child's own blood, and that blood can be a different type than the mother's. That's 22 days from conception. And by week five, the baby has eyes, legs, and its hands are beginning to develop. By week six of the pregnancy, the brain waves are detectable. The mouth and lips are present. Fingernails are forming just by six weeks into the pregnancy. By the way, just right there, I might note that uh, they like to harvest these fetuses. They don't want to call them human beings because they like to harvest them at six weeks in in order to be able to use the organs and tissue for transplant and experimentation at six weeks. In other words, they see they see that the organs and the tissue are, you know. They're there and they're they're living and they're substantial and usable uh, for transplantation even. And so we have a very developed uh, child there by just six weeks. At a, a week seven, eyelids, toes form, the nose is distinct, and the baby is now kicking and swimming. And by week eight, every organ is in place. The bones begin to replace cartilage and fingerprints begin to form eight weeks in to the pregnancy. By weeks nine and ten, you have teeth. Fingernails are developing, and the baby can turn its head and frown 10 weeks into the pregnancy. At 11 weeks, the baby can grasp object if they're placed in its hand. All organ systems are functioning. The baby has fingerprints, a skeletal structure, nerves, and circulation. And by week 12, the baby has all the necessary, all of the parts necessary to experience pain, including nerves, a spinal cord, and a thalamus. And the baby is nearing the end of the first trimester there with that and has the ability to feel pain. 
and that certainly uh, the abortions are occurring after that point, and uh, it, is, it is a shame uh, what's going on. Exactly right. You know, Jacob, I need to I need to back up to a statistic that I referenced earlier, and I'm just trying to reference it off the top of my head, and I have it in hand now concerning how many uh, have been killed by abortion versus how many have been killed in wars fought by Americans. The number and and uh, is well now I don't have the most recent numbers of the Iraq War, uh, so this number is a little bit dated. But there have been less than 700,000 Americans killed in all wars ever fought by Americans, less than 700,000. There are more abortions than that every year in America. So in one year, there are more babies murdered than all the American war dead in the history of warfare in the United States. Well, you think about that and imagine if there were 700,000 adults that were killed in war in one year, there would be rioting in the streets. Uh, for that to stop, and oh, exactly. yet it goes on every day here exactly. without anyone raising an eye. Exactly. And, you know, even and and nobody likes to 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 know that anybody's been killed. But there's been only been on the order of about three thousand soldiers killed in the current Iraq War, and and the the liberals and the media are all over that, screaming about that. I mean, I I hate to know that three thousand people have died in that, three thousand Americans have died in that as well, but there've been more killed today by abortion than that. In the United States, and nobody seems to make any uh, response to that at all. We're waiting to hear from you at 877-381-4567 or questions at collegeview.com. Jacob, what we might do is start through some of these emails that we've received. Uh, some of the people have answered, uh, well, the first question. Let's just deal with that. Uh, the first question says, you know, what's the best argument? What's the best scriptural argument against abortion? And uh, different ones have, have given some response to that. Um, for instance, uh, well, let's see here. One was just simply that, you know, thou shalt not kill. I think uh, well, I'm having trouble sorting out all my all my emails here, Jacob. But I think, yeah, here's Don. Don from Antioch says the, the best answer uh, is thou shalt not kill. That's the best answer. He says it's a controversial issue. But the Bible makes it so simple to know what is right. The problem is knowing what is right and doing what is righteous. Those are two different things. And this is where faith comes in. But he says the, the best argument is simply thou shalt not kill. Uh, I think he's right. I think he's exactly right. But what that does is sort of beg the question is, is it murder? In other words, is a, an unborn child in a mother's womb, is that a life, and if you killed it or if you if you caused it to 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 be terminated, would it be the same as killing uh, a person uh, as Don references thou shalt not kill? I think the answer is yes, and I think we can prove that and some others of our uh, emailers have given some examples to show uh, that uh, the unborn child is considered by God as a, a living being. Uh, Johnny in Leoma gives the same answer. The best scriptural argument, thou shalt not kill. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, but the, the thing that we got to figure out is how do we prove from the Bible that God views an unborn child as a, a living soul? All right. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you, Don, for your comments. We'll take more comments on the other side of the break. If you haven't registered yours, why not join in on the discussion now over email Questions at collegeview.com or over the phone toll-free at 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The Virtual Bible Study will be back right after this. Do you remember when churches insisted on Bible authority for everything they did? Can you recall when church members always expected a thus saith the Lord? Remember when the church was well known for its book, chapter, and verse style of teaching and preaching? Are you upset because the church you're attending doesn't approach things this way anymore? Does it concern you that elders and preachers don't seem to care about Bible authority at all? The College View Church is still striving to do everything according to the New Testament pattern. If you're looking for a church like the one you remember from the past, please visit the College View Church of Christ. I'm Arthur Haynes from Kaleoka, Tennessee, and one of my greatest highlights of the week is to listen to the Virtual Bible Study. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study. Thank you again for joining us as we talk about abortion, and we want to hear from you at 877-381-4567. That line is open. You can be a part of the program right now or send your questions or comments to questions at collegeview.com. 
It is an amazing statistic. 49, almost 49 million babies are killed in our country and have been given the uh, the nod of approval by our government uh, to have that killing going on. Jacob, let's let's go to this question. Uh, both Don and Johnny suggested, you know, just tell people thou shalt not kill. And I think it's a good answer, great answer. One thing we've got to be ready to do is prove that God views killing an unborn child the same as killing a a, a, a living being. And one of the best places I think to go is in Exodus chapter 21. In Exodus chapter 21, uh, God had a law. When he gave the law of Moses, he said, for instance, in Exodus 21 verse 12, he that smiteth a man so that he die, he shall surely be put to death. So God's law was if you kill, you should be put to death yourself. That was that was his rule. Now, in that same chapter, and, and uh, uh, Jason in Greensburg, Pennsylvania, has offered this verse as well. He says, a, a good passage to see that the Lord thinks of abortion is Exodus 21, verses 22 through 25. This passage describes what actions to be taken in a case of accidental injury to a pregnant woman. Now, here's the way that this reads. It says in Exodus 21, verse 22, If men strive and hurt a woman with child so that her fruit depart from her and yet no mischief follow, he shall be surely punished according as the woman's husband will lay upon him and shall pay as the judge determines. And if any mischief follow, then thou shalt give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burning for burning, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. Um, and so... Uh, the idea is, he, in other words, men are fighting, and a woman. It, it gets you get the idea that a woman may have been accidentally uh, uh, assaulted in the course of these men fighting, uh, and if her fruit depart, yet no mischief follows. That is, I think that's describing a miscarriage. She would have a miscarriage, but the child would live. Wouldn't be a miscarriage. Be well, a well, premature birth. Uh, uh, that's right. They would be a, the New King James is a little bit clearer. Listen to what the New King James says: If men fight and hurt a woman with child, so that she gives birth prematurely, yeah. yet no yeah. harm follows, right. he shall surely be punished according as the woman's husband imposes on him, and he shall pay as the judge is determined. But if any harm follows, then you shall give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. And so the idea is if she gives birth prematurely and the baby does not survive, then he would be held responsible for that he loss of life. He would pay with his life. He would, the penalty toward him would be the same as if he had killed another man, as we read in the same chapter, verse 12. Uh, Jason goes on to say, this text gives us a situation in which two brawling men accidentally injure a pregnant bystander. The injury causes the woman to go into early labor, resulting in a premature birth of her child. If neither the woman nor the child is harmed, then the law of Moses levied to fine against the one who caused the premature premature birth. But if injury or even death resulted from the brawl, then the law imposed a parallel punishment. If the premature baby died, the one who caused the premature birth was to be executed life for life. This passage clearly considers the preborn infant to be a human being, and to cause a preborn infant's death was homicide under the Old Testament, homicide punishable by death. And this penalty was given to those who accidentally killed an unborn infant. Abortion today purposefully kills. So what would uh, we think God's punishment would be for abortion? One thing that God hates is hands that shed innocent blood, Proverbs 6, verse 17. I think uh, Jason's comments there is right on. And I think that's a passage that we need to be ready to use. And again, if, if you're listening and you're not unfamiliar with that passage, that's Exodus 21, verses 22 through 25. Steve in Cuttawa, Kentucky, uses the same passage and echoes Jason's comments where he says, if the child was born prematurely because the combatants hurt her, it was a civil case with damages to be paid to the family. But if the child or mother was injured, it was a criminal case. If the baby died, God prescribed the death penalty, life for life. With this statute, God protected the sanctity of the life of the unborn. Fighters who respected the law would be careful to remove themselves from the presence of a pregnant woman. And so appreciate Steve's comments. And he, uh, again, reiterates what we said about that passage, showing that God respected the life of the unborn child there. Exactly right. So that's a great passage. Now, now put that together. Uh, Don and Johnny said, just tell people thou shalt not kill. Right. And show that taking the life of an unborn child is the same as murdering uh, uh, anyone else from Exodus 21. That's a good passage to remember. We all need to remember Exodus 21 verses 22 through 25. And we thank uh, Jason and Steve 
for for uh, bringing that uh, passage to the attention of our audience, and I think they're dead on right, exactly right. There's another argument that can be made, and we've got uh, uh, Jim in Mount Pleasant, Tennessee, is sent in, and he says, look up the word that is found to describe children in New Testament Greek. The word brephon or brephos in the Greek means little child or infant, Luke 18, 15. However, the word had a wide usage and also meant a child not yet born. When you add to this the account found in Luke 1:41, where it mentions that the babe in the womb of Elizabeth leapt at the greeting of Mary, you have a strong argument for recognizing that children could also mean babes still in the womb, and you realize they have feelings and emotions whether we recognize it or not. I think Jim's uh, uh, statement there is an interesting one. Look, let's look at Luke 1 just for a minute. In Luke 1, you remember after it had been announced to Mary that she would give birth to the Savior, she went to see her cousin Elizabeth, and Elizabeth was at that time pregnant with the child that would be John the Baptist. And when Mary came, Elizabeth said, now Elizabeth is carrying John the Baptist. He's in her womb. And in Luke 1, verse 44 Elizabeth says, Lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Now, the word babe there is the one that Jim references, this brephon or brephos. Now, go over to chapter, go to the next chapter in Luke. And remember, by the way, Luke is a, was a physician who wrote these words, an inspired man, obviously, but also a, a, a trained physician. After Jesus was born in Luke 2 at verse 16, it talks about the shepherds coming to the place where Jesus was. It says in Luke two sixteen, they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. The word babe there is the same word, brephos. And so we see the same word used to describe John the Baptist while still in his mother's womb and Jesus who had already been born and was lying in the manger. And so that I think that's an interesting argument from the Greek. Same word used to describe, you know, uh, the abortion proponents today, they want to use some terminology like uh, fetus or embryo. They don't want to call it a person because if you identify it as a person, then that that has ramifications. And so they want to use some kind of technical or uh, non-emotional kind of phraseology. But it's clear by inspiration uh, the Holy Spirit used the same word to describe both an unborn child and one that had been born. Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. That is a powerful argument to show the same u- usage there of that word to refer to the unborn baby and to the baby who was already born. Clearly, God views uh, them as being both human life. Jacob, we got uh, an email from Darren in Valrico, Florida, and he says in answer to this, life begins before birth, and I haven't looked these verses up, so he, he he's, he's teaching me something here that I haven't seen perhaps before. In Jeremiah 1, verses 4 and 5, it says, uh, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. And so I, I see what he's saying here now. I think you knew that verse. You just I knew didn't that, know the yeah, reference. I was aware of that verse, but I wasn't sure what he was, the point he was making from it. But I, I think what he's trying to say is that the Lord knew Jeremiah before he was born, while he was in his mother's womb, and had actually chosen him and appointed him to be a prophet uh, at that time. And so Jason, or excuse me, Darren in Valrico, Florida, is saying that he believes that this is an argument that goes to the proof that life exist before a child is born that a, that a, an infant in the womb is considered a living being in psalm 139 uh, darren also references psalm 139 verses 13 through 16 where david uses similar language uh, the 139th psalm beginning with verse 13 for thou hast possessed my reins thou hast covered me in my mother's womb and there david references that uh, he had been covered in his mother's womb and I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unper- unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in uh, continuance were fashioned, 
when as yet there was none of them. And so David's talking about his development there in the womb and God's knowledge and uh, participation in that. And uh, David understood that he was a human in his mother's womb and that God had uh, had made him there. And it was a fearful and wonderful thing. Those are good points. We appreciate uh, uh, Darren for bringing those to our attention. Darren, thanks for participating in the virtual Bible study tonight. We've got an email coming in from Keith in Lynchburg, Tennessee. Keith, we're glad you're out there listening tonight. And he says, in answer to question one, I would say Genesis 1, 27 and 28 we are created in God's image. If we restore, if we destroy one another, then we are in, in essence have destroyed the likeness of God. Uh, I, I think that the, the the principle that that Keith is suggesting there is a true one, and that is that the Bible teaches that we're to have a a, a basic respect for human life, and that's taught throughout the scriptures. And actually, it goes all the way back uh, to the earliest chapters of Genesis. When Cain had killed his brother Abel, in Genesis chapter 4, verses 10 and 11, when the Lord came, he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. So there's the first murder, and there's God's view of murder. So I think the Bible does teach that we're to have a basic respect for human life. In Genesis chapter 9, after the flood, uh, God laid down this law, verse 5, Genesis 9, verse 5, Surely your, your blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast will I require it at the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother will I require the life of man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood by man shall his blood be shed for in the image of God made he man. You notice, and I think this goes to Keith's point here, that there's a respect for human life because we are made in God's likeness. And, and Genesis 9, verse 6 said, Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by a man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God made he man. So it seems that that was the reason behind that and the reason why we ought to have that basic respect for human life. What do you think? Let us know your thoughts about this important subject tonight. Um, still getting getting more emails, Jacob, and we're glad for all those who are participating. Um, we're getting an email from Mark in Cookville, Tennessee, and Mark also references Jeremiah 1, verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before you were born. I sanctified you, ordained you a prophet to the nations. This one to me clinches it, Mark says. Uh, so uh, he joins in uh, with that same passage from Jeremiah 1, verse 5. That's a good one to have ready. Yes, exactly right. Thank you, Mark, for your participation on the program tonight. Let's take our break. And give our listeners some more time to get your thoughts and your comments about this important subject ready. And perhaps you're listening tonight and you disagree with some of the conclusions we've made. We'd especially like to hear from you. And we'd like to hear from you even if you agree with us. Let us know your thoughts. How do you answer this important subject, this important debate in our society? What about abortion? Let us know your thoughts. Does God approve of that or does God disapprove? We want to hear from you. The number to call is toll-free, 877-381-4567, or send your emails to questions at collegeview.com. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after these important messages. Enjoying the Virtual Bible Study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. <laughs> and then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> and at 9 o'clock. It's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 1.28. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. Hello, my name's Jeffrey Vernon. I'm 13 and this is the Virtual Bible Study. 
We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. And thank you again for joining us on the virtual Bible study tonight. We'll remind you this program is brought to you by the College U Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about the College U Church of Christ in many ways by visiting our website, collegeview.com, where you can find out more about what we believe and practice there. Or you can give us a call or send us an email anytime at the same numbers you would use to participate in the program live. Call us anytime throughout the week or send us an email with your questions about the College U Church. Or better yet, come and find out for yourself in person what it is that we're all about here at the College U Church of Christ. Visit us at any of our worship services Sunday morning at 9.30 for a period of Bible study, followed by a period of worship at 10.30, and then at 6 o'clock on Sunday evening and 7 o'clock on Wednesday evening. If you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to come and worship with the College U Church of Christ at your earliest convenience. We're talking about abortion on the program tonight. How do you answer those who are in favor of abortion, or how do you answer those who say abortion is not acceptable? We want to hear from you and get your view on this important subject tonight, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Please join in on the discussion tonight. Jacob, I think we've given some good scriptural arguments to prove that abortion is wrong from the biblical point of view. This is not just a personal opinion. This is not just a preference that we're stating. You know, it's not just that we like babies and we don't want babies killed. That's certainly true, but we're trying to base this conclusion by what does the Bible say and I think we've been able to prove conclusively that abortion is wrong based upon what the Bible says. Now, we made a couple of follow-up questions, and we want to get to what people are saying about these follow-up questions. The first follow-up question was this. How would you answer those who generally oppose abortion? That is, they, typically, they would agree with us what we're saying, if, but they would say in certain cases, for instance, in the case of rape or incest, a pregnancy resulting from rape or incest, it would be okay to have an abortion. I know a lot of people who believe that. I even know a lot of people who are, who are Christians who would make that argument. And uh, so we put that question out there. And, um, for instance, Johnny in Leoma, Tennessee, said, I would tell them that the baby is innocent in this matter. In other words, a baby conceived by rape or incest is, incest is still innocent. He said the baby's not the one who should be killed here. I like I, I like that observation. In other words, the one who committed rape or incest ought to be punished, but the baby doesn't deserve to be punished. The baby is innocent in that matter. Exactly right. I appreciate that, Johnny. That is an excellent comment. Uh, why should the baby be killed? Uh, the baby is still a human being, regardless of the consequences uh, or the, the circumstances of its conception. Um, Don in Antioch, Tennessee, said, you know, he we, we read his comment earlier. He was very brief on this. I think he's right to the point. Abortion's wrong because it says thou shalt not kill. Abortion's wrong even if the the child was conceived by rape or incest because God does not say thou shalt not kill except. In other words, there weren't any exceptions. It's wrong to kill. So I think he's right. Thank you, Don. Thank you, Johnny, for your comments tonight. Uh, Darren in Florida has said, uh, how would you answer those who say it's okay in uh, cases of rape or incest? He says it is never okay to murder a person in God's eyes. And so uh, Darren gets back to the the root that we're talking about here, Dad, that it is uh, murder, it is killing a human being, and there would be never any circumstance where murder would be acceptable. I think that's exactly right. Um, Jim in Mount Mount Pleasant, Tennessee says, uh, if you answer the question of whether or not abortion is morally right, something that would be approved by God, then you answer the question of whether it should be done. The reason... For the creation of the baby is not the issue, but whether one has the right to destroy the child. Those who argue for abortion in cases of rape are only arguing in case against the right of, of the child to exist under favorable conditions and not to exist under unfavorable conditions. I think I, I, I agree with Jim. I, I take him to be saying if you establish that abortion is right or wrong, when you come to that conclusion, then if you say it's wrong, then it's wrong. If it's right, it's right. If it's wrong, it's wrong. And that the circumstances that brought about the pregnancy should not be factored in. You know, he's saying here, basically, it's a question of whether or not this child that's been conceived is going to be raised under favorable or unfavorable conditions. Well, we're not, we don't have the right to choose that. Jim alludes to a bigger issue here other than, than abortion. It goes to those who are even, who are born and maybe those who are elderly, the, uh, the sanctity of life certainly is wrapped up with this question of abortion. And there are some who would say 
that if the child is uh, born and certain things are not favorable for that child's existence, then the child could even be killed after he's born. There are some who are radical enough to say that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think we're not too far away from that. I mean, and, and really, I believe that the legalization of abortion has lowered the bar and it will make it easier for uh, killing old people who are infirm or killing infants who are born with some deformity or maybe they're not going to be quite as brilliant as the next child and so we, just, we you know we start selectively killing off the ones that we don't think deserve to live well, who gets to make that decision yeah we wouldn't have made it this far would we yeah we'd be in trouble for That's sure right. 877-381-4567 questions at collegeview.com um jason in pennsylvania said isn't this a case of situation ethics Abortion is a sin. There is not a situation where sin can be justified. These situations, uh, we, these are situations we don't want to see anyone put into. But the Lord looks at abortion the same in all circumstances. You know, I think that's a good point. We're not we're not trying to be callous or hard hearted toward a woman who has suffered rape or incest. That's not the point. The point is the child. I mean, we will agree. And I I, I really like Johnny's comment for, uh, when he said. You know, don't kill a child. Punish the one who did the crime. Uh, certainly a crime. It's a despicable, horrible thing. But the question is, is it right to kill the child because of that? And I mean, you just couldn't you couldn't offer any justification uh, for it. Certainly not any from scriptures. All right. Um, Steve in Cuttawak, Kentucky, has said no, uh, no exception was given in Exodus 21, the passage that he had cited, uh, where if uh, two men were fighting, and the woman, the woman gave birth and the child died. Uh, no exception was given in Exodus 21 if the child was conceived through rape or incest. A child is a person, no matter how he was conceived. Two of the nations nearest to Israel, Moab and Amnon, came into existence because, because of the incest of Lot with his scheming daughters. God could have intervened to prevent conception or to produce abortion. He had intervened to remove the family from the destruction of Sodom, but he did not. And so God did not... Uh, abort the babies in those circumstances because of how they were conceived. Exactly right. So I think that's a good example. We know there there were two children born uh, in incest, but uh, we see that I think that's a great argument that Steve makes there. We've got uh, a comment from Keith in in Lynchburg, Tennessee, who says uh, people who make this argument only in cases of rape or incest, he says these are fence riders. Whatever suits their mood, that is what they'll do. It's a matter of convenience for them. Whatever happened to thou shalt not kill. And so, again, that's a very simple and direct way to look at that question. And I think he's right. Jacob, um, Mark in Cookville has, has uh, written to question the statistics quoted about the number of abortions that occur. He said, I have for years questioned the statistics that are quoted about the number of abortions that occur. Think about it. The pro-abortion groups want people to think that it's very prevalent. But try searching for an abortion clinic and just say the state of Tennessee. Last time I did, I think that I only found one or two. I know that they can be done in some hospitals, but if there were this many abortions, wouldn't there be more clinics? I've even seen articles about how in states like Arkansas, where there was only uh, only one clinic in the whole state, um, also think about it from the anti-abortion groups. Wouldn't you be more upset about a bunch of abortions than just a, if just a few were actually occurring? Sadly, I think both groups try to make the numbers look as high as possible to push their agendas. Don't get me wrong. He says it's sin, plain and simple, whether there's one or a million. Uh, so I, I, I never I never heard anybody challenge those numbers. And we gave out the numbers tonight. Uh, but Mark is saying he's always wondered if those numbers are really legitimate. And it, it may be a case of people playing with the numbers to try and move an agenda. I don't know. That may be the Could case. Be. You've always, always got to be careful about the statistics you reference. Uh, we're not getting those from a shady source. That Those are very well documented, I believe. Those numbers are coming from authentic sources. Whether or not they're inflated, I guess, uh, is up for speculation. I don't believe that abortions have to occur just at abortion clinics. I think that they are, can occur in other, uh, other areas as well. But... Uh, uh, Interesting observation from Mark. Yeah, and, and and bottom line, I think his bottom line is exactly right. It's a sin, whether it's one or, or a million. It's a sin for to kill an unborn child. Uh, but that's interesting, and that, that that will make me think more, maybe do a little more research about these statistics that are given out. But you know, this is a very pertinent uh, 
topic in our society. It is even a, a, a pertinent political issue, and the candidates who are who are jockeying for position in in the in both the Republican and Democratic parties are 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 sort of. Uh, Happen to come to some conclusion about this because it's going to be an issue in in elections, and what a, what position a person takes on that will be a factor in whether or not they can get votes from certain individuals. I I mean this is not our purpose is not to comment on politics here, but I got to say just from a moral standpoint, not from a political standpoint, but just from a moral standpoint, I I would. I would be hard-pressed to vote for a candidate who favored abortion and who indicated that he would continue to promote abortion. Certainly is an issue that is important. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Thank you for participating in the program tonight. If you haven't participated, now is the time to join in on the discussion. So, Jacob, what what we've concluded is that I think clearly the Bible says that abortion is a sin. It would be wrong to do so. We've looked at Bible arguments to prove that. And then we've also looked at um, maybe what some people would see as an exception to that. Uh, we're, com- we're coming up on a break, but before we get to that break, I wanted to comment on some statistics I found about who it is that has abortions. And I found I found a web page that that sort of lined that out, and there's more there's more numbers there than you can probably figure out, but they give a summary here. It says results of a 1994-95 national survey of 10,000 or nearly 10,000 abortion patients reveal that women who live with a partner outside of marriage or have no religious identification are four times as likely as women in the general population to have an abortion. Now think about that, and that, that tells you something about the who's getting abortions. Uh, you know, that's an interesting question. You know, is is it a lot of women who've who've been raped? Is it is it people? Is it is it cases of incest? And so, you know, we we got to have an abortion because there's so many people getting pregnant in those ways, and they've got to have a way out. You know, really, those who argue in favor of, of abortion because of rape and incest are arguing, making a terribly flawed argument. The, the, the number of pregnancies resulting from rape and incest that then eventually end in abortion are minuscule compared to the total number of abortions that are actually happening. In other words, we're going to make it legal for these tiny percentage of people who are, who are in that case. Therefore, we're going to make it legal for everybody and have the, all these babies aborted just to... to in our minds, justify the exception of rape and abortion. I think it's it's a huge mistake. Um, some other statistics I found: uh, the marital status of those who get abortions, almost 65% of them never have been married. Uh, uh, the the average com- composite of a an, of a woman who gets an abortion is that she's white, never been married, of average income, and has some religious affiliation and is 22 years old. And so uh, the experts who study those kind of things say it's not a question of rights or choices. It's not sick women who will die if they don't get an abortion. It's not uh, abortions because of rape or incest. The abortions that occur are because of babies that were never wanted, that were conceived without proper love or commitment on the part of the man and woman who conceived the child uh, and so forth. They they are typically pregnancies that came into existence because of an act of lust and not of love. And all the terms that are used by the pro-abortion people are just simply terms that are intended to hide the truth. Uh, basically, I, I would say basically, generally speaking, abortion is a desired solution for an unwanted pregnancy that resulted from the sin of fornication. Well, you know, Dad, as you mentioned, we talked about uh, abortion for the cases of incest and rape. It really does illustrate uh, a problem that, that humans have, and that is that when we have absolutes from God, we want to find 
ways to get around those absolutes. We want to reason away God's instructions. Well, it seems to me that it would be okay under these circumstances to go against what God has clearly said is wrong. We do that not just with abortion, but with so many of God's commands. We want to reason them away if it seems unreasonable to us to have to follow that instruction. I think that's right. Well, let's take a break, and we'll come back at the end of the break and go to the top of the hour with your questions or comments toll-free, 877-381-4567, or email questions at collegeview.com. Join in on the discussion now. We'll take a break and be right back after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said, or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at collegeview.com, and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931-381-4567. Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we will do so in a loving manner. So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. Hi, my name is Mike Holt. My wife and I, we love listening to the virtual Bible study. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The virtual Bible study. Take it away, guys. And we're back. Thank you again for joining us on the program tonight. Let us know your thoughts about abortion. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Jacob, we asked a a third question uh, when we sent out some questionnaires today by email. And the third question was, um, well, let me let me see if I can find it here. What is your view of situation where the mother's health is at risk? Would an abortion be right or wrong in such cases? What about that? Well, now you're getting a little bit uh, closer to home because uh, certainly many people could have uh, that circumstance arise. What happens then? What do we take? What position should we take then? Well, uh, we've got uh, Steve again from Kentucky who writes in. He says, the health of every mother is endangered by childbirth. Modern medicine has greatly reduced the threat, but historically many women have died as a result of pregnancy and delivery. Many of those whom a physician may regard as at increased risk today may actually have a lower risk than a woman with a normal pregnancy back in Bible times. God knew of the dangers of childbirth when he spoke to Eve regarding the consequences for sin. To avoid the risk through abortions is a cowardly way to live. And so Steve says, you know, childbirth is inherently dangerous to health and has always been and is less so now than it ever has been. And so to use that argument to justify, again, to use that argument to justify all these abortions that are taking place in a world wherein, in a modern world wherein childbirth is not nearly as dangerous as it used to be, hardly makes sense. Johnny in Leoma, Tennessee, questions the statistics like Mark in uh, Cookville did. He says this is a misused scenario. I've heard doctors talk about this, and they say that this scenario actually never comes up. Even if it did, who are we to play God and decide who lives and who dies? Well, Johnny Johnny questions uh, the circumstances there, that it, it could even happen. I would uh, I would probably question that and say that it uh, certainly has over at, at some point in time occurred that uh, the woman's life was at risk. It's far more rare now than it ever has been in history. Certainly. But, uh, certainly, but the, uh, as Steve pointed out in his email, I mean, the, historically, there have been a lot of people, a lot of women who died in childbirth. Uh, that's understood. But, uh, you know, who's to say that that's an excuse to kill someone because there's a risk of childbirth to kill the unborn baby in Second Peter, or excuse me, Second Timothy, chapter three, beginning at verse one. Second Timothy, chapter three, verse one. The apostle Paul wrote, "Know this that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection." And then he goes on to list more sins. But you know that expression, "without natural affection," talks you know talk about the sins of of heathen men. 
and how corrupt men would grow worse and worse. And one of their sins would be to be without natural affection, which implies that we ought to have natural affection. There ought to be a natural affection between a mother and her child. And for that matter, even between a mother and her unborn child. And so, you know, to say, I, I'm, I want to terminate this pregnancy because I fear for my health would to me be a case of being without natural affection. There ought to be, before a child's even born, there ought to be this bond between parent and child which says, I'm willing to take that risk for my child. Uh, if Even in a case, you know, and again, I think these are fairly rare hypotheticals these days, but in the case where a doctor would say, we can save your life, mother, your mother, we can save your life, or we can save the life of your child, which do you want? I think a mother who has natural affection would say, save my child. And, uh, and it, it, after, what would you do after the child's born? And say the child's a day old and something happens and they say, well, we can either save your life or save your child's life. What parent wouldn't say, save my child's life? That's natural affection. And Johnny is probably right. That probably is a very rare occurrence. But if we're talking hypotheticals, let's talk hypotheticals and what is the right thing to do. Certainly, you would have to be sacrificial and sacrifice your life in, in favor of the life of another. Um, Keith uh, in Lynchburg says, I would say whatever God allows to happen with the help of modern medicine, we should always pray fervently. I don't really I don't know really what difference would be in losing the child or the mother. I'm just I'm glad we never had to face a decision like that. And certainly we would agree with that. Um Jim in Mount Pleasant says, again, if you answer the question of whether or not abortion is right, it should not matter under what circumstances the child is born. If it's wrong to abort the child, it's wrong under any circumstance. I understand that there's an emotional consideration when one is dealing with a mother. What what mother would choose her life over her child? I think he's talking about that natural affection. Um, Darren in Florida says... Uh, abortion is murder. Murder is sinful. And he again quotes Romans one twenty-eight through 31 and Galatians 5.21. So he's, he's still taking the same position. Uh, same answer, basically, to all of these is if it's wrong, it's wrong. I think I agree. Uh, Don in Antioch says the same thing. Thou shalt, the Bible doesn't say thou shalt not kill except. Uh, Mark in Cookville said... Uh, I think there is never a situation that an abortion is okay. As much as I'd hate to lose my wife, I would put the situation in God's hands if the doctor told me that she would die in pregnancy or childbirth. Uh, so, again, uh, I think all of our respondents are agreeing that those those kind of exceptions don't justify abortion. There was a case, and one of our listeners tonight uh, will remember a case that, that he and I talked about uh, where a pregnancy was not was clearly not going to be a viable pregnancy, and sometimes these things are referred to as tubal pregnancies. Uh, a fertilized egg doesn't make it uh, to the uterus and implants in the wall of the fallopian tube. That can be a very serious thing. That can be a life-threatening thing for the for the woman. Hemorrhaging and blood loss and very serious complications can come from that, and the 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 child cannot develop it will not survive the pregnancy will not last a term and the mother's health is at risk as well and in in that case i think that's a different case than what we're talking about here and these in in other words would it be wrong to to correct that situation and to remove that fertilized egg that 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 embryo that fetus that the even though it is a, a child conceived, it's it's not. We understand medical science now understands that that's an impossibility. That child cannot be born, and so the child is not going to survive, and the mother won't survive either potentially if something's not done about that. I think that would be a different case. That's not making a choice between one one or the other. Uh, in that case, you're only choosing uh, to to protect the health of the mother. The 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 outcome for the child is already determined. All right. Well. Certainly, abortion is a terrible thing, and I believe that abortion is one of the most selfish acts that anyone can do uh, to take the life of another. From uh, some statistics here from uh, cited here on the National Right to Life website, reasons why women have abortions, 25% feel they are unready for a child, 
23% feel that they can't afford the child. 19% say they have all the children that they want. And 8% say there's a relationship problem. They're a single mother. 7% say they aren't mature enough. 4% say that a baby would interfere with education or career plans. Certainly some selfish reasons given there for why people terminate pregnancy. Exactly right. You know, and I saw some statistics earlier, and I can't, I don't know if I can lay my hands on them. I saw some statistics that said that the majority of, a, a majority of women who get, um, who who get abortions say that they, they want children. Yeah, here it is. Of those who get abortions, 66% indicate that they want to have children later, just not now. And so that would argue that they're just getting it, getting the abortions for a matter of convenience. Selfish reasons. Certainly so. Jacob, before our program's over, there's one thing that I decided I, I wanted to throw into the mix, and I and we, and we, won't, we don't have time, and I don't even really want to get into a thorough discussion of this, but something that a lot of people don't think about is that certain birth control procedures – actually result in abortion. And I think that husbands and wives, when they think about birth control methods, need to do some serious investigating. And I, I probably should just leave it at that. But And there's lots of information available. All of you who are listening tonight obviously have access to the Internet. Go out on the Internet and do some searching about birth control procedures or methods and ones that actually result in the abortion of a fertilized egg. Uh, a lot of them do. Even a lot of birth control pills do. I would I would say that the vast majority of birth control pills have at least a component. It's not the it's not the total mechanism by which it works, but at least a component of the way that they are designed is to abort. Uh, uh, a fertilized egg. If a f- egg should happen to be released and become fertilized, uh, the lining of the uterus is made unreceptive so that the egg passes without being able to implant in the womb. And so basically, if we believe that life begins at conception, if we believe that life begins when the egg becomes fertilized, and then we are doing something to purposefully keep that fertilized egg from being able to implant in the lining of the uterus, then that is an abortion. And that that really deserves a lot of careful thought. And so, for all who are listening uh, tonight, and if you if you're in that stage of life when you might be considering children, or you might be choosing a birth control methodology, do some do some research on that because it is a serious serious thing to consider. All right. Well, we've had a good discussion tonight on an important subject. Before we end, it is important that we. Make some announcements about some upcoming events at the College of Church of Christ. Jacob, we got a gospel meeting coming up right away, starting a week from this coming Sunday on November 4th. We're going to have a gospel meeting here at the College of Church of Christ. It'll run from Sunday the 4th through Friday the 9th of November. Uh, our regular, well, actually not our regular times on Sunday. We're going to have a regular time Sunday morning, and then at 2:30 Sunday afternoon, we'll have a singing for 30 minutes, and then uh, a preaching service. Our friend Nestor Sanchez from way down in Arica, Chile in South America, he's a preacher that we support in his gospel preaching work down there. He's going to be here, and he's going to speak for us on Sunday uh, and give a, some report on the work he does. And then throughout the week, we'll have different speakers from uh, here in Middle Tennessee and North Alabama, uh, Jeff Smith Monday night, Jeff May Tuesday night, uh, Doris Rader Wednesday night, um, Rick Duggan Thursday night and Alan Dvorak Friday night. So that's November 4th through the 9th. The weeknight services will be at 7 o'clock. We invite everybody who's in the Middle Tennessee area to try to come to our meeting here at College Make plans to join us if you can. And on an upcoming edition of the Virtual Bible Study, we're working on some interesting guests as well. We're working to have a atheist on the program. We've had one in the past, and this is an atheist who has just begun a nationally syndicated call-in radio program about atheism. We're hoping to get him on the program. Yeah, he's, a, he's tentatively agreed to be with us. We just got to work out a mutually acceptable time. We're working on a preacher who believes it's okay to be homosexual. Hopefully that will be coming up in coming weeks. And uh, who knows what else we'll be discussing, so we encourage you to. And every once in a while we get uh, some input from you listeners. We're glad to get it. If you think there's a topic that deserves uh, 
attention on the virtual Bible study, send us a message. Let us know. We can't guarantee when we might get it on, but we'll certainly put it in the mix. We've got a topic from Finland that is in the mix, so hopefully in the next yeah, few weeks. We've got a listener who listens in Finland, and he suggested a topic. We're going to try to work on that, too. All right. So if you have a topic or suggestion about the virtual Bible study, we hope you'll make that a suggestion. Dad, thank you for your time tonight. Thank you, Jacob. Uh, always enjoy the virtual Bible study. Hope everybody will make it a regular appointment on Thursday nights. Thank you for being here and make plans to be here next week for another edition of the virtual Bible study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.